0: Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, author Adam Kovac and fellow podcaster Bob Lofton of Safeco fame joins me to talk about Traveler. More specifically, we discuss and ponder about what it takes to make a Traveler adventure a Traveler adventure. It is easy to fall into the line of thinking proffered by the late Supreme Court Judge Potter Stewart. I know it when I see it. But I seek a more specific definition. I don't know that we succeeded, but hey, we tried. Oh, um, Levi Combs has a Kickstarter going on right now. Or at least right now, if you are listening to this right now. He is worried about running a Kickstarter in December. a worry that ended up being proven unfounded. Go and search for... An occurrence at Howling Crater. And back a winner. I do have a Patreon... And for the price of $1 a month, you not only support me, but you get the full unedited show. Except this show doesn't have any outtakes either. Oh, hey, it's the show's 100th episode. While the numbers have not hit the stratosphere, the number of listeners keeps growing. Thank you, everyone. Secure the cargo, sisters and brothers. It is time to make the jump into the next system. Hello, Adam and Bob.
1: Hello? Hi Adam. Good. It's, it's good to finally meet you in person, sort of on the internet. Yeah, it is. It is. Same here. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's RPG <laughs> ramblings bringing uh people together. <laughs> so, so uh yeah, so I thought because this is all started with um Adam and I are working on a on a thing. Um I'm planning on producing an RPG uh, or a, a traveler um I guess Cephas engine, probably is what it'll be, uh setting zine and talking about adventures and and basically plot hooks and kind of traveler's approach and and maybe looking at things a different way and I thought you know rather than us just betting back and forth because I'm I'm self-serving that way it's like I could be rolling tape <laughs> and also get a podcast as well
1: yeah for sure <laughs> so
0: I thought well why don't we just get Bob on and we'll just you know we'll actually just do a, a, a traveler podcast so um i guess we'll do things a little different i got some questions and i think both of you are probably are more imbued with the with the traveler verse so to speak and i kind of like to maybe uh kind of go along some of those lines okay Uh, so i guess the question is uh for what do you think for a traveler adventure just in general are the basic elements that are i don't say required but i would say are generally expected
1: you want to start adam
2: well i think i think for any adventure no matter whether it's uh a a novel or a role-playing game i think i think the the key element there is conflict um and some sort of uh inciting incident that that forces the characters to make choices. I mean right there that's that's pretty much the uh something that you can find across uh you know any form of storytelling uh or even even gaming. You find it in tabletop games, you know, risk, somebody goes first, somebody right. does something <laughs> that's that stands in opposition to what somebody else is uh another player is trying to do. So so I think I mean it seems to me that uh that's definitely a requirement uh, as well in uh, any kind of a role-playing campaign, especially a
1: traveler campaign. Yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of the, I, I agree. I think a lot of the same elements go into a traveler um, campaign or session as any other role-playing game. The thing I always go back to in my games that um, I feel like sometimes I fail at is, since traveler yes it's space but people are shooting basically normal guns at each other right it's not generally most people are not firing lasers or blasters stuff like that so the the atmosphere the science fiction atmosphere in traveler for me is it's really important to try to insert that in um otherwise like i'm I'm, the game that I wrote for the the other day that we didn't play because <laughs> I was tired. Um, if I didn't go in and put those atmospheric elements in, then it's just like guys shooting at each other, and it could it could just be you know anything, right? It'd be a western, so, right? A, exactly, and we joke on the podcast, on my podcast sometimes about you know you could just like convert every episode of Gunsmoke into a Traveler game. Um, just throw in some aliens and put them on a weird planet with you know in in a, in a dome city or something you know whatever but um i think it's really important to insert those those science fiction elements into but what, it but so. when you
0: say science fiction elements like are you i guess the thing is, is are you talking like just some sort of like window dressing are you talking about injecting some hard science are you talking like what what exactly are you saying that the thing that would all of a sudden would say, yeah, that's, that's. Uh,
1: so so it, it depends on, it depends on what's going on in the session. Some of the sessions I've run were clearly science fiction because, okay, you're on another planet and you're dealing with weird aliens and um, nanotechnology and, and stuff like that. But sometimes it's as simple as just as the referee for me, um describing what they see outside their ship. Like, okay, you pop out of jump space and you're in this new area. And um I described like, okay, there's this red nebula outside, or you know, I just try to like paint the picture um so that they're not just staring at graph paper and some dice. Um and I I'll even take um like find NASA photos on on the internet and put them on my iPad and show them, Oh, this is what you see. Or, you know, you just like, just do stuff like that to, um, to make it science fictiony rather than, um, again, just gangsters in space or something. Um, but then, like I said, some, sometimes the, like we did one where they were just exploring the unknown, uh, like nine, nine, uh, sessions. And those were all, I mean, those were all, I didn't really have to do very much because they were clearly science fiction. Like they're on a planet. That's a, uh, itself is in like inhabited by a giant intelligent fungus. And all stuff like, that. <laughs> but
0: yeah. Well I, well, I guess if you were to strip away, like what would be, you guys think would be the, like the minimum amount. Cause like, for instance, we'll just take like Outland. Uh, if you remember that movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to watch yeah. that uh, this weekend. As a matter of fact, I probably will. And, very soon again great great example go keep going
0: yeah but I'm just saying it because it does it, it seemed like most of its it, it the trappings it has even though it's sci-fi if I recall correctly it's been you know like yeah 30 years but it seemed like um you know or even something like Terminator it's like there's there there is not a lot that other than people being contained in this certain small mm-hmm. area that it it really is much more than a, an action movie or I mean it it's not that far from being normal, I guess, other than they're in space. It's it's high noon.
2: I mean, that's exactly yeah. what it is. it's a sci-fi uh twist of of the old what was it, Gary Cooper uh you know, movie black and white um you know, the town the, the the mining colony is the old west town. And yeah, it's you talk about you mentioned window dressing. I mean, they 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 you sci-fi it up. They go to the bar and and the lights are blue and they're drinking a weird purple drink you know and and the glass is like something that you know is some weird art deco thing that you just probably wouldn't see every day and it it, even just the little details the window dressing gives it that sci-fi bent to it you never really lose the fact that you never really understand or remember that you're in a western when you're watching outland you always think you're in a sci-fi movie. right? But the trick is you're actually in an old Western, a black and white Western (laughs) movie, Uh, you know? So, so like, uh, and like Bob was saying, you know, the little, the little details that, that, that um, the creator, you know, the, or the referee provides is what, uh, what actually injects uh, that, that needed specificity, I guess, into, into your gameplay or, 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 or your narrative. Traveler is one of those weird games where you could, it's easy to forget that you're playing science fiction because of the differing tech levels and, and, um, and just some of the situations, you know, if you're on a planet that is, you know, a, an earth like, like planet, it, it can be at with a very, you know, low technology level, uh, it can be easy to forget that there is uh that you're in a science fiction game and it it is those little window dressing details that that kind of remind you or keep you in the 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 frame of mind that that we are we are in another planet this is the far this is a science fiction adventure in the far future um that uh yeah they play it plays a very important role and it leaves like especially the referee a lot or in the players a lot of options on how they want to Know navigate the the scenario, the storyline of the uh, particular
1: adventure, so to speak. It's an interesting question because if you look at science fiction films, they they range from something that, to me, like two thousand one Space Odyssey is it's one of my favorite movies, and it's clearly science fiction. It's like the unknown and discovery and all that. Um, then there's other kinds of science fiction that without going into science fantasy but it's still like um it's like kind of like you said it's it's action adventure really in space really different kind of things and the 2001 space odyssey kind of stuff is really hard to do because i'm not arthur C. Clarke. right
0: yeah and it's i like think coming that's up with of, something that hasn't been done well if you look at like it's kind of interesting because you think about the space that traveler exists i mean it 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 i mean you could say it fits in like like larry niven it kind of works but yet it it doesn't seem to try and cling to the um overly to the realistic i mean it seems like there's you know ultra realistic on one end and and high you know like space fantasy on the other you know it's it's definitely not towards a space fantasy but yet you know with with the you know artificial gravity and uh, you know various other things it, it does have you know some aspects but yet it doesn't try to be like a super hard sci-fi like like larry niven's worlds are
1: so adam mentioned conflict um but traveler has this other kind of standard way of getting people involved in things which is the patron right like is a is the book a thousand and one patrons or something like that yes like, yes right yeah. So, like, and that's that's the very standard way of playing Traveler. You have a patron, somebody. You, I mean, how many adventures start? A a person hires you to do this thing, right? <laughs> and uh, it it actually makes it pretty easy to start a game if your players take the deal. You know, like if you don't, <laughs> I mean, you they may not. You they could always say, no, you know what? We we'd rather not like okay well what are we
0: going to do? <laughs> I guess we're playing Yahtzee tonight. What
1: are we going to do?
0: <laughs>
2: sometimes sometimes just the nature the nature of character creation in Traveller also injects uh I don't know if conflict is the right word but um it definitely gives uh an almost pre-set or pre-generated motivation for the players and the character and likewise the characters because everyone You know, after after character creation, you've you've progressed through your your life careers and you basically end up everyone is based. Everyone in Traveler is basically middle aged and in debt.
0: Okay, (laughs) they have debt. We're we're playing real life here. Is that what we're doing? Right. And I mean, you
2: know, you you, you leave. I mean, uh, usually like the earliest you, you leave, you start adventuring and the character does around age 34 to 38. Sometimes, you know, you'll have a guy who will go to like 46 or 50, you know, like the, the, the doctor is, yeah. always, you know, it's an old guy and, but, but everyone has debts or very little credits. And so there's the the motivation to actually take the patron's job because you need the money. You've got someone, someone's got a spaceship with ship shares, but you've got to constantly be, be paying these costs every every jump, you know, a free, uh, uh, say like a, like a, a free trader or a fire trader, you know, just you're going to make, if you fill the cargo hold and nothing breaks and you don't have a lot of crew to, uh, to pay off and you fill all the state rooms, you're probably just going to break even at the end of the jump. And you, you're, you're starting rough. from, yeah, it's, it's tough. So you're starting from zero. So that, that automatically, um, it kind, in some ways, it kind of limits things because it prevents the character from saying no to the job. It automatically doing. turns the players into criminals. <laughs> it, it, it definitely makes them them desperate, and you, you could say that 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 ups the stakes somewhat. Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and I think. Th- the, what you're using there is, is and I agree you know that the idea is you know the gift of a ship is really kind of the curse and the motivation uh for the or maybe not the curse, but it's definitely a a burden for the the, the characters to to keep funding. but I guess the question then is um and also Bob you mentioned earlier about the ship um how for most traveler games, how central is it? that characters have a ship.
1: I've never been in a game where we didn't want to have a ship or run a game where they didn't want to own a ship. Now that I've been running my game for a while, I think as, as the referee, I would like to run a game where they don't have a ship, but I, there's something about like, if I had like two or three, just two or three players it would be a little easier to do but then when you've got like a whole posse it's nice to have a ship um but uh yeah um i the reason i i i feel like that is because having read about 16 of the doomerist novels now and he's always traveling low or like signs on as a steward or engineer or or whatever um uh, on board a ship, um, and so like, there's always that issue of how's he going to get to the next planet? How's he going to have enough money to? Is he going to have enough money to to travel high, or is he going to have to, you know, go into cold sleep and and maybe die? Um, I don't want the characters to die that way in my game, though. but it would be kind of fun to see how they negotiate all of that.
0: Yeah, but it, when the wasn't the idea was the, that in the Doomerus, was he trying to find earth yeah
1: so, that, so that's like right did, and also it's, and it's one is, character
0: right. he's trying to go home yeah.
1: it's one character yeah and it's, that's different than having you know three four five characters all in that situation right it's very hard to do all with competing uh agendas as
2: well,
0: well you know, that's the hard yeah. part yeah yeah
2: you know bob you mentioned like 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 adventures traveler adventures like without a ship and you mentioned this on your podcast um a while ago and it was like it was like from the from the the mailbag and somebody emailed and they were talking about a traveler adventure a long time campaign where everybody yep. was on a cruise ship like a luxury yep. cruise ship and, yep. and that was the first example I, I could think of when you talk about an adventure where the characters a long-term adventure where the characters don't right. actually own the strip ship they're just like general crew members on, on this luxury space liner. And I thought, I mean, I thought, Oh my God, that sounds like so much fun.
1: There's just so many things you can do with the game. Um, I don't, I don't know if either one of you caught Greg Harris's benefit game weekend before last. So, um, the guy who organizes traveler con every year, um, traveler con USA, um, he he has cancer and Greg organized an online benefit game um, just to raise some money to help, help him and his I family. I heard of this. I did. I did. Yeah. And um, it was the sci Psy- the psionic Olympics or something like that. So it was like, I think it was Jodani characters competing in some kind of psionic Olympics to attain noble status or something. I, I mean, like, I would never have thought of doing that. And I, I had to work that afternoon, but I, I did manage to watch a little bit of the stream. They did a fantastic job streaming it on YouTube. I got to find the, that. The, the production quality, the way everything was set up with the virtual tabletop, everything was great. Um, and, uh, it, but like, I would never have thought to run a game like that, but it worked great for that. And it, it was, it was fun to watch but there's so many possibilities like that. Um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of traveler's strength and weakness, I think, because, um, new players, as we've discussed a lot on our podcast and, and probably when I was on this one as well, you get those, those books and sometimes it's not clear what the hell to do with them.
2: Traveler can be very, almost too open sandbox. Um, which is why some of the, you know, like the Mongoose, uh, you know, Drynax campaigns, their, their Deep Night revelation endeavor stuff is, is good because it it, it it gives it, it does give, you know, player and referee a, at least a launch pad. Because, I mean, when I started, when I first was introduced to Traveler, you know, Classic Traveler, and this was probably, I'm going to say, 86, something like that. And, and, and honestly, I loved it, but I didn't know what to do with it you know, and I was a teenager and, and there was no, I mean, there was no even third Imperium really to start from. Yeah. What, uh, so yeah, that can be like extremely overwhelming on, on both sides of the gaming table to, uh, to get things going.
0: Yeah. I think the thing is I, what I find to me as far as a GM or, or problematic I mean, problematic, not the right word, but is, is I think sometimes the ship, uh, I think when, when, characters can, can go into any direction, it, it really, uh it's hard to build up repercussions for actions. Like if they're in a smaller, like say you're stuck in a solar system or on a planet, you know, the choices you make, you're going to have to live with for the, maybe the rest of the campaign where, you know, you can ship. Well, okay. We're, we're, we're out of here. It's like, it's like, it doesn't really matter.
2: I'm, I'm in a campaign now, uh, that I'm playing, uh, it's Pirates of Drinax setting. But uh, the character I'm playing is a journalist. And so he'll, he does these news reports and then he sends them via mail to other worlds, as many as he can, especially the ones where there's a Traveler's Aid Society Bureau. Um, and, and, and he does, you talk about repercussions. The GM is, is savvy enough that if he goes, we've gone to other planets, and this news story has caught up, and there's blowback <laughs> as a result. Yeah. There, there's blowback. There's we've stolen something. We're in possession of some, uh, you know, some combat drugs that we looted from a lab, and you know, uh, idiot reporter character of mine, you know, <laughs> wrote a news story about it, and we get to the planet, <laughs> you know, and they've got a corporate office there, and now they're waiting at the starport with thugs wanting their their briefcase of vials to be returned you know so uh you know a a good a good referee who's who's thoroughly planned out will have consequences for actions because you're right yeah you can just kind of jet out in traveler uh and and if you're not careful uh the characters can kind of run wild and um and that that in and of itself can i imagine can be pretty tricky for the referee to kind of rein in uh if uh, if there's a set path that they're, they're they're trying to follow well
0: in a lot of ways I, I, like you mentioned westerns it is kind of like that you got these small towns uh, few and far between you got vast desert where people can hide you know and that was you know, in the west where you would have problems with outlaws being able to do things and just leave only to maybe be I, hunted down by the police later on
1: I think Adam's right though, like in Traveler, especially for stuff like that, the referee really has to be on the ball and thinking a lot about the campaign and, and just getting, I mean, writing down possible repercussions. I do loose ends. Like I just keep a list of loose ends that the characters have left, whether it's a, an enemy that they spared or an ally that they made or something they left unfinished or, or anything like that. Um, that helps quite a lot, but um i they've got pirates of drynax the the box set at the uh local gaming store I go to, and I've been so close to buying it, but I don't want to buy it and then like i I want Jeff to buy it and run it. I want to play <laughs> i I, I could tell you
2: I, we we've got a good referee and 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 it's it's a lot of fun to play it, it is hey this hey Bob, I wanted to ask you this is uh, this is something um. Jeffrey and I were talking about early. We were talking about um, traveler role play RPG scenario creation and how much detail to put in. Should it? Should should they? Should the scenario like you know like roll two d six and you come up with one of these eleven possible scenarios? Should those little scenario hits be super super detailed or lean? in order to let the referee
1: run wild with it. What's, what's, what's your thoughts? I'd love to hear it. I'm trying to think of how I do it and um, a few other referees that I know and how they do things. And it, I think it depends on how much um, intentional or unintentional railroading there is going on because you can spend a lot of time detailing stuff and then one decision by the players, as you guys know, as gamers is like all of that's just out the window and you've wasted a lot of time. And um, maybe you can, you can use it further down the line, but, or, right. you know, maybe you've, you, you know, shoehorn it in to the current session or something. But um, I would say like in my game, they're usually on some kind of mission that they've agreed, agreed to. and, Um, I keep the sessions now pretty short. Like this is short for us two or three hours. Um, And I say that that's short for us because our gaming group, the guys are very deliberative and it's not like they waste a lot of time, but like, I kind of know in any, any game we're playing, no matter what the encounter is, it's probably going to take them about 45 minutes per encounter. 45 minutes to an hour. So, like if it if they're investigating something, they got to find a clue, they've got to break in someplace. That's going to take them an hour. If they're going to deal with this other thing, it's an hour. So I've got based on the way they play, I've got a pretty good idea of how much I need to have per session. And what that allows me to do is stay really flexible with the bigger story arc or whatever you want to call it cuz i don't have to plan further out like i might have some idea but they will play that those 3 hours and then based on whatever my guys do i go back and i can fine tune what's going to happen next um so the, like those shorter sessions i think of made it a lot easier for me to to referee and I say like when we got our gaming group back together we were playing gurps cyberpunk and we were playing like now this is a long session for us but we would play like 5 or 6 hour sessions and um that was really fun but it was it was a lot harder to manage as as referee for sure so right, um, I guess we
0: maybe we're looking if you were to buy a book of let's say a book of 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 um of plot, plot hooks.
1: Yeah.
0: you prefer the plot hooks to be, uh, smaller pieces and more direct or the plot hooks to be just more general. And then you come up with your different individual pieces.
1: And, and man, like, I think it just depends on your gaming group so much because some, some people, um, will in the course of play, they'll really bring everything to life as much as you do as the referee. And then, you know, if you got somebody who plays, for instance, the way my me and my friends played D and D when we were in high school, if it if we didn't have a lot of detail, we would just blow through stuff so fast. There, it you know, we played really fast. Um, at the lower end of the detail scale, I think the you guys both know that I really hold Michael Brown in high esteem with his one-page um, Cepheus engine and. Um, scenarios that he publishes on drive through so they're like really minimal if they have artwork it's like a, it's just a map usually there might be a chart of some kind that he's devised for a random generation of whatever but usually it's about one to one and a half pages and he's got like a standard format of okay here's what the game's about overview information for the gm information for the players kind of like a lot of the old traveler supplement or adventures did but they're, they're only one page so they're really easy to digest and he he gives you everything you really need to run the game um if your imagination is pretty active and you can on the fly, flesh out some of the details about, Oh, well, there's this building over here and Michael didn't write this, but this building is made of, you know, native stone. And it's got this and this and this, you know, you can, if if you're really good like that and his, um, I've, I've messaged with Michael and, um, he says his goal is always not to step on the referee's toes, right? Like he wants to give people enough to run a game and, usually, I think he, I think he said each one of his, his games is theoretically like a two or three hour session. Um, and, uh, I really like his stuff a lot. Um, it's, it's helped me, um, I think write, write my own stuff too.
2: With, uh, you know, what, um, something we're, I'm kind of grappling with right now. I'm writing, you know, little, little plot hooks, little adventure scenarios. And I'm, uh, struggling on how much detail to put in, how much to, to, oh man. I mean, my, my first, my first instinct, you know, leads me to just like a basic, each die roll gives you a two sentence scenario. You know, you got to go to this planet, you got to get this artifact and here's the conflict, whatever that's standing in your way. And then from there, the referee can just run wild with it. You know? um if they've got their own maps if they've got their own npcs if how they want to uh you know just how they want a theater of the mind this uh it, it's up to them to take it and run with it from there whereas also but i also don't want to make it too too thin you know um and it can be a tricky even in, in a traveler adventure it can be a tricky thing especially when you're getting into like um we talked about the western aspect of it but but say like a traveler heist scenario okay do you, do you want to add uh um all the little twists and turns that that a heist kind of story has to to ratchet up that that tension you know so it's more enjoyable how much do you put in how much do you leave out and um you know maybe the referee doesn't want what what what's the referee going to uh, you know ditch and change and substitute on his own, and it's uh, it can be a bit, it can be a bit tricky, you know, trying to to navigate that line. And I, like you said, I suppose it 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 depends on not only the 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 gaming group, but the yeah, I don't want to say the experience level of the referee because I don't, I don't know if that's the right word, but it 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 requires uh, it can be a bit of a tightrope.
0: Well, I think in in many ways, there's probably no right or wrong way to do it because everybody's no. different. Yeah. And, and sometimes maybe plot hooks are just, all they serve is just just inspirational pieces. You read a bunch of plot hooks and you're like, oh, okay, I'll come up with my own plot hook by now, I'll know where this is going.
1: Right. The great thing about what you're talking about, kind of randomly generated plot hooks and uh, conflict, like, okay, wh- where's the conflict, all that. For someone like me is, I really struggle with not repeating similar stuff over and over again, right? Like, right. Um, and i mean that and that's kind of like the strength of traveler in general like with the uh, like planet creation like well you're only going to think of a certain number of planets like mark says and so the random tables force you to think of really weird stuff sometimes so um, the dice but, yeah. can solve a lot of problems in traveler because it makes the decision yeah. for you yeah yeah if you, let um, if you let it yeah i agree um With like repetition, you talk about struggling with
2: repetition. Size, especially sci-fi, gives you a little bit of an out because okay, so you have the alien bad guy, and your characters get through that. But then you can have well, last alien bad guys were Aslins. These are Vargers now, so it's a totally different. You know, the the mind can kind of uh, work that out on its own uh, to the benefit of the referee who's who's struggling for for constantly you know exciting content
1: Uh, i suppose traveler does that but the thing like the thing with michael brown's scenarios is um where he where he's brilliant at coming up with um i think very unique ideas um and he'll take a lot of things i think from current events and turn them into a traveler game like we've talked about this on the show like there's there's one that he published that's totally inspired by that whole Pharma Bro story that came out of the news a few years ago. was like, oh, Pharma Bro. We're going to do a Pharma Bro uh, uh, game. But like almost all of his start with the patron, right? Right. You're hired to do this. You're in this situation and the planetary government asks you to do this or whatever. So like to me, like, if I was running a campaign, I can do that occasionally. Like We've got kind of a main patron in my campaign who comes back every now and then and gets the guys into trouble. But I like to use the patron to kind of start things, but it's nice to to go circle back to the already known NPCs. Like right now, they are about to have to rescue an NPC who they did business with and he got pissed and then tried to have them killed but now they're going to rescue him anyway because it was just business right yeah nothing personal (laughs) it's not personal (laughs) um but but you know it's like doing the patron thing over and over again can be a little bit dull i think too
0: well i think what it comes down to is if you know when you say campaign. I think. I think sometimes if a campaign is simply a setting a a number of adventures till you guys quit, or is a campaign where they set up to some sort of ultimate objective. Our ultimate objective is to get this much money to be able to do this thing, to go here and and do that. You know, and I think it it just kind of depends.
1: And that's it's the funny patrons- how different people think about that, right? Like, because you know, like for like we just finished a nine session part of our campaign and now they and they're they're back on the planet that they started on for a lot of groups that would have that nine sessions that would have been a campaign and that's totally valid It's like no that's just like nine games in our campaign totally open-ended on the the other hand our campaign's one of those they will probably just eventually peter out when we're tired of playing like there won't be any culminating (laughs) <laughs> right. We'll just stop uh, playing. I think I'm sometimes, okay you know, that.
0: you might get character or players that do latch onto a thing, you know, and then they could really turn into a full like directed campaign at that point.
2: Well, that's something I was just about to bring up. Um you're talking about, you know, having to rely on the pay- patron uh nonstop or, or or with a lot of repetition. to to generate the action. And I think some of the onus and the referee can play a hand in this, but I think it's helpful when the character and the player and their character development ensures that the character has a specific goal in mind, that that character has to want something. And you see that you see this in every role playing game and you can get away with it in some dungeons and dragons. Hey, look, man, I just want to wander the kingdom. I want to kill goblins and monsters and get loot. That's it. And you can kind of get away with that, but in, I've found it's helpful and travel is the same way. I, I just want to cruise around the galaxy and get some alien tech and, uh, you know, blast some stuff, get an adventure Go to we. you know, it, it's not defined. Like what, what does I think it's helpful and, and the adventuring can kind of take its own path without having to rely on things like a story arc or plot hooks totally or, or agree. a patron. If the characters have this set thing, like for example like this character that I'm playing now because it's the first thing that's coming to mind um, you know he's a journalist but what he wants more than anything is a Traveler's Aid Society membership <laughs> this is this elusive Brass ring that he's trying to get because he's like a forty-six-year-old guy, and he just wants to enter retirement, traveling the stars on his you know his monthly high-class passage and to stay in the traveler hostels and and just travel around like a like a retiree, you yeah, know, and yeah. write his little news stories, you know. On, it's his on retirement different, plan. Different planets and their cuisine and all that stuff. So, so he wants something. So that affects all every action and decision that he takes. So if if you have a crew or a party of people who all have a specific goal, specific motivation that that's clearly defined, not just a vague, "Hey, I just want to, you know, do this cool stuff." It can kind of I'd like to think it might be able it, it could probably help the referee and cause problems for the referee at the same time, but you, it it does take this need for a patron for a a a constant plot hook out of the picture because it's
1: going to develop
2: on its own just through the player's
1: actions totally agree you know like in our game i'm trying i'm trying to get my guys to kind of go that direction a little bit um and like if like just tell me one thing that your character really cares about that's I, like that would help me like what's one thing they really care about and why they care about it um that so would can be take it away tremendously helpful and make him cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well i mean again do is just looking he wants to find earth yeah. right like that's that's his right. motivate his biggest motivation everything else he um, does
2: feeds that motivation you know
1: yeah and my player william you know, he said it and, uh, we we were talking online about the campaign and, you know, he said, look, it's completely open-ended. Like if we wanted to, we could go back to the planet with the pachyderms and become freedom fighters for them. It's like, yeah, you could like totally, you could, you could drop everything you're working on and you guys could go do that. And we would do that. Fine. Tell me, is that what your characters care about? Do you want to do that? That's, that'd be cool. Um, so, and, and like, it doesn't have to be a massive, you know, pages long backstory right. or something. Just tell me one thing they care about. I think we mentioned this too. Like, so William's running a 5e campaign. One thing I th- I found that I really liked was um, like, there's just something in, on the character sheet or something. Tell me like something your character cares about or what motivates them. Like it's actually there. I thought that was great. It made me think about it, you know, okay. My character is protective of his mentor and, um, my character thinks he's extremely smart and likes to help people that aren't as smart as him or something. <laughs> um, yeah, fun. I had a guy, uh, another
2: campaign I played in, uh, it kind of petered out, but, um, the traveler campaign and, and the guy was, uh, it was another player, but his character was, was obsessed with like alien cuisine with food uh, on different planets. And so everywhere we went, he, he would, he would collect all this stuff um, that he could. And uh, he would make these gift baskets, you know, like a a, a basket yeah. of food of like, you know, exotic squids from, you yeah. know, uh, the, the planet Calaxical or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and this was, Something that he, he felt, you know, he wanted to deliver and share with the rest of the universe, you know, all these different cuisines. But it, it, it you know, it, it, it led the crew down, uh, you know, alleyways that we wouldn't have gone. We have to go into the star town, and we right. have to search. We have to find this vendor of chocolates, and and so, but so you don't need a patron now. But there were, see, the referee doesn't need a patron; it can be the shop owner who's got information. And and, yeah, and in, steers in you our game
1: to things. In our game, we've I think we've largely gotten to the point. Um, after it seems like it should be more sessions than this, but we're on session twenty four or twenty five. But we've gotten to the point now where the the sessions are kind of self generating like that. Like I don't need patrons at this point. There's enough going on. There's enough. Enough that's happened in the game for me to go back to things, I I can do it now, um. And so, and that's right. Cause I think really you need to fun. prime the
0: pump sometimes. That's really what it comes down to. You got to yeah, prime the yeah. pump, and you got to see what the players are at. Because players will will lie to you. you ask them what do you want, and they'll say I want this. But then when I offer them like five choices, I thought you know what I'll just throw in a few extra they can choose. They always choose a thing that they they didn't say they wanted. And they'll avoid the things they said they wanted. Like, we just want to trade. We want to do on these kinds of missions. But yet they're always doing these espionage, you know, action type adventures is what they're choosing.
2: They don't want to do that. No, they don't. They want to go shopping. They really want to go shopping.
0: Yes, but, but I think what happens is if you, if you get enough sessions, you start to see what, what it, I think also telling you is good in the beginning. That helps people. But also you do find out what do they really care about. You know, or what do they really hate? Maybe they find somebody they really hate and they just you know, now it's a vengeance mission.
1: I think the thing about our campaign and classic traveler, maybe in general, but especially ours, because none of my players had ever played Traveler before, is um so we got together, they rolled up these characters. These are the first characters they've ever they've ever rolled up. And, and they're still alive yeah i mean i can't seem to kill them (laughs) like the thing is that they're really good players like it's really hard to get them into trouble and then when i do get them into trouble they totally luck out like the the enemy always makes terrible die rolls you've got an
2: engineer who's like never failed an engineering check or something don't you it's yeah it's it's, yeah i mean
1: it's, (laughs) it's crazy um and what was i talking about i can't remember um oh yeah so they had never played this game before so forget like what the character cares about they're just trying to figure out what the hell do i do with this character sheet you know what can we get away with (laughs) what my character has engineering three big deal you know it's like no that's really cool engineering three is cool now as as referee i've got to convince william that engineering three is awesome that you're a superhero right um but there's a lot of skills on there that like, I mean, we always go back to like laughing about Vax Suit one right. <laughs> and steward one and stuff like that. But like when you've got all these seemingly useless skills, or you don't really understand how they fit into the game. I, I think probably the first 10 or 15 games really, they were still kind of, okay, how does this work? You know? And now they've got it yeah, and, and it's been cool to see. I think talking about,
0: worse than vax oh, suit one is is vac suit two, because <laughs> you just lost another skill for something that's
1: useless.
2: <laughs> Unless you have a very bad dexterity, and then vax suit two is very important. Okay. Yeah, you talk about skills, right, and soft skills, and how they can be like super important. And going back to what we were talking about earlier about like like scenario generation or or, or campaign generation, one of the uh, the trick is and I'm in this right now with the pro the project I'm working on is like, I don't know what skills the characters have. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to accomplish if I get into too much deep, we talk about details and how much to put in, how, I don't know if they're going to be able to do these things that to, to accomplish, you know, the, the mission that they've just rolled a dice that says that, you know, that that the referee's going to have them do. Um so you know you talk about like like painting with a broad brush in terms of scenario. Well, I would say though like, I
0: I would know, say I mean, people are clever. Like they'll find a way. Like opening a door. Are. You they can are. pick the lock you can move the, remove the hinges, you can you know, bust the door down.
2: But it's space. It's a sliding door. <laughs> it's an iris valve. It's I mean, a force field. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, what's their intelligence? <laughs> Are they smart enough to figure this out? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, so like, as, as, as like a content, in terms of like content creation, you know, it's, you've got to, you've got to take those things into, into consideration.
1: Especially also, in a yeah, tur- and,
0: Go ahead. A player, they can also um, hire people too. Yeah,
1: can yeah. They? they could. They could. They could go get help. Maybe if they've got some. Hey, we'll let you in on the deal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, it's a really good deal. You, you want in? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I, I, I think in some of Michael's uh, scenarios, he'll say he might give some indication like your character should have these skills should be in there. Um, I think some of the original traveler adventures were were like that too. Of course they, they mostly I think came with pre-generated characters you could use too. Even though the, the uh, new stuff comes
2: with, you know, your characters will probably need recon or survival too.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, Be successful
2: think, in this adventure.
0: Yeah, and I think traveler at least pen, depends on the version. I think does tend to lend towards certain things, but in my mind, um, it's like me playing a wizard. I find I don't play D D much, but I find predigitate. I can't even say it. Predigitation
1: digitation.
0: I think I can do about anything, get by with almost anything with that spell. If I can just keep casting that, I can fake my way. I can, I can sly my way. I can s- bluff my way through a lot of, a lot of things with that simple spell because it's so, it's so um, versatile. But I mean, I think the thing is, is it's, a, there are so many ways I think, that people look at problems that they, if they're, if people are creative and they love their characters being a certain way, there there's a lot of ways uh, to solve problems. Um, you know, and I don't think, I wouldn't always worry about that. If you go like way too constraint where you have to use this key to open that door, that's an overly constraint, but the, if the, the mission is you have to get through that door. Then you could say, Oh, do I bribe the guard? Do I drug the guard? Do I shoot the guard
1: what I... one of my favorites is the example you used uh Jeffrey of your character who you spend an entire game just bribing people yes <laughs> you like just used money to get through the hole. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I,
0: was, I was building a clothing business in Shadowrun we rescued a bunch of people who are these uh these people in this in this like working in a factory and they're poor so I paid them off and now they're part of my like a sweatshop and if i paid them well then as i'd go through i would find you know media influencers <laughs> <laughs> try and get past somebody give them ten thousand dollars just walk away
1: <laughs> but yeah con, you know I'm, tr- I'm trying to go back to the your original question about elements of a traveler game we've got an episode about that actually and i now i can't remember what the elements are
0: well I guess the thing is is like so let's just uh and since we're we're getting close to uh the uh, 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 time space continuum uh, but the I guess what I want to know is like we kind of talked about like science fiction right like what makes science fiction at least setting uh but I guess the question is what makes a traveler game compared to say star Frontiers
1: or mm. another? I've never played star Frontier so I don't know it's been years, man I remember that. So there are know. other science
0: fiction you know there's the expanse you know there's uh Star Wars I mean obviously that's pretty much pretty easy one, but but what do you think in essence like what is the essence of of a traveler game where if you were to play a certain game you'd be like that was the rules but that just didn't feel like traveler
1: hmm might take me a minute to think about that, you know i'll try um, to I'll
2: try to fill in the void, man, uh and give you some time there I, I think honestly, we touched on it earlier in in the uh, the show here, but I think it's just it's necessity you you constantly are having to dig for credits, you have to find a job, you have to keep your spaceship flying, you have to. You have to just keep going forward, whether you're dependent it's, on your patron or some kind of quest that you you know, artifact that you're seeking. It's you've gotta pay the bills. It's the, the traveler is the daily grind of life in a lot of ways. Tra, tra, yeah,
1: I think I think you hit it. I think um traveler is really it's, it's more about economics than any other game I think I've played. Right? It's economics, it's it's you know making ends meet um personal relationships and yeah (laughs) um, and then like if you if you really dig into the third imperium setting and all of that you see mark's background in the social sciences come out too yeah you Uh, do and so like social (laughs) sciences and and economics are really important in traveler um and uh that's kind of a weird thing to be so important in a role playing game, but it, it works. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 almost the engine that that drives every traveler adventure. Take we
2: go like take Dungeons and Dragons. You don't really need money. You can get away without money in Dungeons and Dragons. You can wander through the forest. And if you guys have guys who know how to forage for food, you don't need to buy anything. Except can, for, a,
0: I would say 3.5 is know? probably the difference where I think it was based on you had to be buying weapons and magic.
1: Okay. But, but, but if, know, you're right for, travel. Yeah. But, but for is the most part, got...
0: you're right. For fantasy games, to, to, to live, you don't have to. You're not going to go bankrupt, and you're not going to find yourself stranded.
2: You're, you're The repo men are not going to come for your free trader because oh, like you didn't say, make the yeah, payments. I
0: agree. You know? I agree with you
1: on that. Right, it's economics and social sciences, but it looks like for with economics, it's scarcity, right? Like you don't really have to deal with scarcity so much in a lot of other games, I think, um, as you do in Traveller. How is is there is there going to be a gas giant where we can refuel for free, or are we going to have to buy fuel for right. like, a lot of money? Um, you so, know, stuff uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, because
0: I think other games, you you need money to get more stuff and to get more powerful. But in traveler, it's more about keeping ahead of the man and, and keeping afloat is really what you're saying. I think
2: an
1: academic would call it resource competition. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So you've got all that going on at the same time. There's some sort of adventure happening too. And uh, I mean, this is the only game that I've ever run where the players have a spreadsheet and, that shows their, their money going coming in versus their money going out Um, and a list of their gear and how much they've expended and all of that. Because as you know, my guys love hand grenades. So we keep track of how many they've got. It's they don't have a bag of infinite hand grenades. right? (laughs) Yeah, there is, there's a lot of, and and you know, some guys I've played in some
2: guys just kind of hand wave the, the bean counting. I kind of like it. I actually like it in traveler. Um, I used to like it in dungeons and dragons too. I would keep track of my arrows, you know, and, yeah. and, and all that. And yeah. I, as a referee, when I've done that, you know, I was pretty strict about requiring that to be done. Some people don't. And I I played one traveler campaign and one of the players was like, no, we don't have to worry about it. It's all in the ship's locker. And I'm like, well, it is if, the referee says it's in the Get ship's right. locker. I don't, you know you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like don't just assume there's a starship engineering toolkit and an electronics repair kit. And we all have the, the right sized back suits. And
0: that know. would
2: be funny. What if it doesn't fit? What if the gloves don't fit? What if you,
0: uh, yes, I mean, right, as a, a midget uh, or as a group of like, uh, like short uh, people, right. And on your, in your six foot five, why not? Do
2: that, yes, you
0: know. you use your engineering skill to see if you can rig something up with that vac suit and survive the impending doom that's coming.
2: We've got a, a, and this is in the campaign I'm playing now, and it hasn't come up yet, and I hope the referee doesn't look at this podcast or listen to this because we've got a character, a non-player character, who's like a a 12-year-old little girl who's like the mom of our NPC engineer. And I don't know if a vaccine will fit her, because she's a little girl, but she hasn't needed to get into one yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and it hasn't come up, and I haven't said anything, but I'll, like for the last like eight months we've been playing, I'm like, <laughs> every time the captain goes, suit up, <laughs> you know, I'm like
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: never established if the vaccine will fit a 12 year old girl. I human female. Yeah.
1: I haven't made my guys account like for every bullet they shoot, but I mean, we do, we do keep a general idea of how much ammo they've got. I do make them track the hand grenades and anything else, particularly destructive. Um, And I do like it's coming up on time. Their ship needs its annual maintenance. They're going to have to pay for that annual maintenance. I think it's 10% of the value of the ship or something like that. So it's not going to be cheap.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that makes to me what makes traveler is it's sort of locked into the '70s and '60s sci-fi, yeah, sensibilities.
1: I try to really embrace that too. Like, um, I I don't consider it a weakness. Like, I really try to embrace it. And um, they recently um, were in a complex, and I I sort of described the alien machines in there as being like very Jack Kirby ask with like the big tubes and stuff, you know, like Jack Kirby would draw like, it's like super science, even for you guys. I think the other
0: thing is the characters are fairly normal.
1: Yeah. You know, there's no,
0: yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of like, even though there, there are people with great skills, but still like everyday Mm -hmm. Joe's not necessarily You know, superhero. There's no like John Wick's or whatever. I mean, it's it's. There are, in traveler,
2: but they tend to not be as useful because they're so specialized. You know what I mean? Like it's you're taking a kind of a risk in certain campaigns. Now, if you're doing like just like uh, what is it called, mercenary ticket, where everyone's a merc, okay, and you can get away with everybody just being gunfighters. Because they're really not going to be adventuring on a starship. They're going to get the, the company's going to give them a ping on their comm and yeah. they're gonna report to the starport. They're going to gear up. They're going to get in the transport, jump in and then make their drop, shoot it up. Survivors get picked up and then they just wait for the next mission. But in like a, like an open sandbox traveler campaign, you know, yeah, you've got your like pirate thug guys. What are right. they, But can they, what What are they going to do when life support fails and the engineer needs help back, you know? Right, but the also the will
0: catch up with you too. Even if you're good at shooting, uh, so are other people. And there's going to be eventual where you're going to take a hit. Like, and you can't just... travel. you don't want to get in combat. You want
1: right. to avoid combat yeah. at
0: all costs. It's so deadly.
1: It, it, in my game, like, it would be very boring playing one of those characters because... My game doesn't necessarily have that much combat in it. It has conflict, but not necessarily a lot of combat
2: as it um, should be. That's why the characters are
1: all still alive. <laughs> because... Yeah. That is some incredibly lucky roles. Lucky um, but well, they're, they're just, they're really good players. Like they, they don't just jump in to, to anything. They've, they've got a drone. They'll, they'll use the drone to scout things out. Um, they, they have really good ideas. Um, it's it's hard to get them into trouble, man. Got to really strong arm them into it.
0: Yeah, it may play the long game. I don't know what that means, but
1: three three of them are retired scouts, so they're they're tough SOBs, man. Like you don't you don't make it four term scout very often. No. It's a hard survival role, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's where vac suit three comes in handy um but uh <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of interesting because i think you know we don't really think about it but there definitely is a certain sensibility you know there are other games that i think have i think like coriolis mentioned before that definitely is a um a love letter to traveler in though it kind of expands in different ways but um but like the expanse uh definitely not it, it seems to be a little bit even um You know, that just has a different feel, too, I think, because you're not star. seem seems like starfaring is kind of part of the conceit um, in general. And I don't know that there are any, are there any published adventures that tend to center around people being grounded?
1: Mm, Yeah, I don't know. I think the other thing, um, we've talked a lot about Mark's book, Agent of the Imperium, on our show. And reading that book or listening to it is a real glimpse into his mind as the creator of the game and how he envisions things. And it's really pretty cool. It it, it enriches the game, I think, quite a lot to, to read the book. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Hmm. Um, and plus, I mean, there's some unintentionally hilarious stuff in there too you know like the bolt cutters and all (laughs) i don't think jeffrey knows the story i don't there's this there's this there's a scene toward the beginning of the book um the agent has to order the scrubbing of a world and then further down the line probably hundreds of years later in the agent's life because he's kind of a disembodied intelligence that's implanted into other people when needed. He orders, he has to order another world scrubbed, but this time he tells the crew that they're going to, it's important for them for their psychological health, because they're going to have nightmares about this for the rest of their life. They have to share in the sacrifice rather than just pushing buttons. So the officers all have to go get bolt cutters and cut off the 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 smallest digit of that person's minor. They <laughs> yeah. go around cutting people's. Sharing fingers. the sacrifice. <laughs> Sharing it's the sacrifice. That's right. That's right. And uh, then there's a character who's uh, an alien a newt, and he comes up to the agent and says, "Listen, I I did this, but the truth is." My, My finger is going back. to regenerate. So, do I? Sh- how do I share in the sacrifice? And is, is, what if I give an eye? And the agent says yes and pokes his eye out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's actually a great novel. I I really enjoyed it a lot. It was it was entertaining? I enjoyed it. I I was surprised, man. Like I was like, oh wow, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs>
0: Well, I think we're hitting the space-time continuum. I think we've uh we've got the uh actually in good time compared yeah. to the, the last uh podcast that was, went on forever. Three hours. Yeah that was ridiculous. I couldn't I could not find the, I could not find the stopping point. <laughs> I didn't want to listen to the whole thing again at that moment. So I was like, oh well.
2: I got to tell you, I, I've enjoyed uh, talking with both of you fellas. And, uh, you know, Bob, it was great meeting you uh, in same, face, same you team. know, on the screen. And, and Jeff, you know, thanks again for, for having me back, man. It's, oh, it's sure. a blast.
0: No, I thought, you know what? Uh, it'd be great to have you both on. Why not? We'll just make it a Traveler Fest.
1: Well done. Right on. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, thank you. you. Take care. Bye. Adios, guys. Bye.